The Master of Arts in Spirituality at Oblate School of Theology immerses students in the deep historical and contemporary wellsprings of the Christian spiritual and mystical tradition. Courses may be taken full-time or part-time, and face-to-face or online. Learn more at ost.edu ma-spirituality. I, I suffered so many losses. I feel I lost my culture. The truth and reconciliation process in this country really took us all to school. We didn't know the experience of Indigenous peoples, and we weren't listening. I am a daughter of a residential school survivor, and I'm a daughter of a Métis day school survivor. So. I uh, certainly am privileged to attend as one of the second delegates to Rome. And this is where the Pope comes in, is that he needs to come over here, admit what the Catholic Church did, and to beg forgiveness of us, and then say, this is how we're going to help you going forward. inside the Vatican listeners, it's Colleen. This week, Pope Francis is meeting with leaders of the First Nations, Métis, and Inuit people who have traveled to Rome from Canada. They want to tell the Pope about their experiences at the state-funded, church-run residential schools that took Indigenous children from their communities in an effort to assimilate them to the dominant Canadian culture. After decades of harm, First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people are again looking to the Roman Catholic Church to make amends. Last year, the country and the church were shocked by the discovery of hundreds of human remains that were found buried on the sites of the former residential schools. It's the hope of Indigenous leaders that Pope Francis will travel to Canada this year to apologize for the church's role in the schools and for the abuse that was perpetrated there. Residential schools were designed to supposedly civilize Indigenous people and erase their own sacred beliefs. But this work is part of a larger process of finding truth and reconciliation between Indigenous people and the Church in Canada, and that'll take much more than a papal apology. So this week, we're bringing you an interview with six people from the Truth and Reconciliation Committee that was established within the Archdiocese of Regina in Saskatchewan to uncover the truth of what happened at residential schools in their area and foster a relationship of healing and dialogue that's led by Indigenous people. This week on Inside the Vatican, they tell their stories, and they explain their hopes for what healing can look like when the Church and Indigenous people face the truth together. The Catholic Church is really trying to make amends by picking Indigenous people and and getting them to see the Pope. After that, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell will give us an update from Rome, where the meetings between the Pope and the Canadian delegations are already in full swing. I'm Colleen Dilley. This is Inside the Vatican. My name is Mae Denemy, and I'm from the Cree tribe of northern Saskatchewan. I went to Guy Hill Indian Residential School near the Palm, Manitoba. I was born and raised in northern Saskatchewan. I grew up on a trap line from when I was a baby till I was about six years old. My family, on both sides of my family, on my dad's side and my mom's side, 
had been surviving off the land, I guess since time immemorial. They were trappers, hunters, fishermen, gatherers. The only language that I ever spoke with my family and within my community of Sandy Bay was the Cree language. That's all I understood. So when I was six years old, the local priest came and took me away and I ended up in uh, residential school at the Paw. I went to residential school in 1956 when I was six years old and I left in 1965 when I was 14 years old and in grade nine. When I talk about residential school, I, I suffered so many losses. I feel I lost my, my culture and my language. Like today, I still speak my Cree language, but I would have been more fluent had I stayed home. And also cultural practices like living off the land. You know, I would have learned how to maybe perhaps make moose hide. I would have probably learned how to collect medicines off the land because my grandmother was, was a local doctor and medicine woman. All that knowledge, you know, I, I lost going to residential school. And of course, I mentioned the language. And then not only that, um, there was abuses. I'm Susan Bowden. I'm from the Kawasis First Nation, which is a, a Cree and Ojibwe tribes. We're mixed blood there. This is a story I always tell because people don't believe that there was sexual abuse. Lots of people deny it. We were in the big girl's dorm. There was three stories, four with the basement. And I would pass the priest's bedroom on my way downstairs to the big girl's playroom. And the priest's bedroom was right at that second floor, right beside the little girl's dorm. And I come to realize that my two little sisters were severely sexually molested by the priest at that time, to the point where my one sister almost died. The thing that I come to realize, too, is when we went up to our big girl's dorm, it was a stair and then the the dorm was there. The nun that was looking after us in our dorm, after everybody was in bed and the lights were out, she would walk down the stairs and I'd hear her locking the door and coming back up. I realized it was the nun that protected me from the priest molesting me because she must have known what was going on in the little girl's dorm, didn't do anything about it, but made sure she locked our dorm in the big girls so that the priest couldn't come up there and, and molest us. The biggest thing for me was the trauma that happened in our family, continues to happen, the broken relationships, the physical abuse, the domestic violence, the sexual abuse. So we have many things to do in our healing. And this is where the Pope comes in, is that he needs to come over here, admit what the Catholic Church did, and to beg forgiveness of us. 
and then say, this is how we're going to help you going forward. And at the Archdiocese here, we've already started that work under the leadership of Archbishop Bolin. You know, as church, the last few years, the most important thing we've done is listen to the experience of survivors and start to build relationships with them. Archbishop Bolin is the head of the Archdiocese of Regina. He brought Susan and May to this interview, along with some key people on the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. The Truth and Reconciliation process in this country really took us all to school. We didn't know the experience of Indigenous peoples, and we weren't listening. It dismantled the narrative we had about Canada, about the Indian Act, about residential schools, about the role of the church and its missionary activity and the impact it had on Indigenous peoples. We learned a new story. I would say that the church has really been coming to terms with that, and the society as a whole has been coming to terms with that. And we've taken steps precisely because we're, we're listening to survivors. Out of the truth and reconciliation process as a diocese, when I came to Regina, much good work had been done and a lot of relationships had been solidly in place for, for years. But we set up a truth and reconciliation committee. We've been walking together for a few years now. As church, clearly we're called to apologize, to enter into a different kind of relationship, to stand together in solidarity. The other thing I'd mention is what a blessing it is to walk with Indigenous people. I mean, we've heard the experience of pain and suffering and heard of the waves of suffering, but we've also experienced the beauty of Indigenous peoples, the richness that their spirituality brings, their traditions, the wisdom of their relationship with the land and creation. We as a society have so much to learn from them, the Pope when he talks about a good way forward, often cites the relationship and with the land creation and the wisdom that come from Indigenous peoples. <laughs> so uh, it's been a spiritual walk together as well. And uh, as much as we're navigating through heavy pain and suffering, we're also walking in the midst of joy, of, of beautiful and life-giving relationships. We hope that going forward, I often say apology is a first step, is not an end point. The visit of Pope Francis to this land will be an important step, but there are many, many other good steps ahead if we listen and learn how to walk together. My name is Joanna Landry. My maiden name is... Pelche Leraw. I am a daughter of a residential school survivor, and I'm a daughter of a Métis day school survivor. Joanna is going as a second delegate to Rome. That means that she's meeting with the Pope as part of a much larger meeting of the three delegations on Friday. But she isn't part of that first, smaller meeting of a few Métis representatives with the Pope. I'm very honoured to go on behalf of those that can't go. I had such an opportunity and such a once-in-a-lifetime to be in the presence of His Holiness. And I'm not quite sure how I'm going to be with the, when it comes to that day, uh, April 1st, when I'm, when I'm there in His presence. What does being part of this delegation mean to you? 
what does it mean to me? It means a lot to me. Like Susan, I would echo that um, having the Pope come here to our territory would be wonderful. I do know that personally, I don't think I'm expecting an apology when I get there. I see it more as uh, working together, growing and journeying together, talking about uh, what are the next steps in order to move forward. So given all of the pain and like the long history of pain that we've been hearing about, I wonder about this apology and, you know, where it fits into the process of reconciliation and healing. What role does it play in in the context of all this? And yeah, it, is it is it enough? Well, first of all, the Pope will come this year to Canada to apologize. This is Susan again. I don't know if he'll apologize to the delegations when he's doing his work with them, but we're looking forward to him coming. And for survivors, for the Pope to come and step on Indigenous land in this country and to say the Catholic Church was wrong, we did horrible things, we did great harm, that we see it on his face, And the way he then talks to survivors while he's here. Most survivors, some of them may not care whether he's coming or not. Because they've been hoping for this for so many years. And it really hasn't impacted their life. And it won't impact their life. Whereas there's other survivors that need that apology. to either begin their journey of healing or to continue their journey of healing and in my case to just validate what I know happened and for the church to realize right from the 15th century that they started the whole colonization of indigenous peoples it's still impacting the policies and the legislation of our government, even in the United States. And actually, the residential school system started in the United States. We had a person go there, study residential schools, and then come back and say, this is what we should do to the Indigenous people, to assimilate them, to Christianize them. And I want the church, the head of the church, to come here And say, that really happened to me. And to tell the world, the people, the non-Indigenous people in this country. And help them understand that's what the church did. Because we deal with this every day of our lives. I think any words of apology are empty unless there's action behind it. But... Where do we start? This is May again. In my Cree language, there is no word for reconciliation. We kind of allude to it, though. There are many words and, and stories and songs, as well as sacred objects. Example, our sacred medicines of sage, sweetgrass, tobacco, cedar, that we use to establish relationships and also to um, repair conflicts, to restore harmony and peace. 
within our communities, within ourselves, with the, with the world. And those ceremonies and protocols of Indigenous law are still remembered and they're mm -hmm. still being practiced in many of our Indigenous communities. And as um, the Bishop was saying, and also Pope Francis, you know, reconciliation will not occur unless we are reconciled with the earth, which is very important to Indigenous people. Indigenous laws stress that humans must journey through life in conversation and negotiation with all of, of creation. An example is if my, my dad went hunting, if he killed a moose, he would say thank you, you know, for the for that moose giving us life in return. And so he would take the bell, you know, the bell of the moose, and he would cut that off and he would hang it on a tree and, you know, and say thank you for that. So there was, there's always been respect with all of creation because we need each other. So in order for the healing to occur and for our survival, you know, in order to move forward, we need to have that reconciliation with humans and with all of creation. I think for myself, this experience of walking together, it starts first at a very personal, like individual level of encounter with other people loved by God who are carrying deep pain. And that recognition that my own ancestors played a role in that pain. I'm Deacon Eric Goresh, and I'm the Director of Communications and Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Regina. So walking together for me looks like listening to Susan speak about the vision of treaties from Indigenous peoples and the ideas that, that they went into uh, anticipating creating a family relationship with these newcomers to their land, this desire to be family. And I hear that and I feel the loss of that because we know the relationships didn't work out at all as they were dreamed. But then I hear and experience just in our group, in our working together, the reality of what that can look like, a new kind of family together, which changes your whole worldview for me, it's been a willingness to be vulnerable to the pain of others and to acknowledge that that vulnerability, even when my heart is broken, is a sacred place where transformation and something new can grow out of that. And so I've experienced that myself, being part of this beautiful group of people. I look so much forward to introducing the rest of our church in our archdiocese to that kind of transformation. My name is Lisa Polk. I'm the Director of Pastoral Services for the Archdiocese of Regina. And I would say that it is both painful and a privilege to hear hard things. Where I guess I have worked through personally is it's people and human beings. We're difficult creatures and we're complicated and we make mistakes and we mess up all the time. 
And so the humanity of what's happened in the past and the horrific parts of humanity are just what is, you know, we are called to listen to that. So as a member of the church, and I feel a privilege in being able to hear those things, but being able to be a part of healing and reconciliation moving forward with great hope for good relationships, for better human beings, for not allowing atrocities to happen from now and into the future. I am a better Catholic and a better person for being able to learn more about Indigenous practices and to hear about the hurts and to have things come to light. Last night, we had a smudging ceremony for Joanna and the bishop. So smudging is purification of body, mind, and spirit. When we do our smudging, the way you do it is you smudge your your mind, like so that you have good thoughts, and then you smudge your, your mouth so that everything you say is in a good way about everybody. And then you smudge your heart so that you treat people with love and kindness. And that's what you do when you smudge. You ask Creator to help you doing that today or in a meeting if you're smudging for a meeting. And in this case, the smudging of of Joanna and Bishop Dawn, we prayed to the Creator that they are kept safe, that they, they, they can say the things that need to be said in their interviews. There'll be many interviews over there. We also thank them for being willing to do this on our behalf. I'm going to get emotional because Joanna's my niece and the most beautiful thing she told me last night was that she was doing it on my behalf. That um, that it was important for her to take my heart with her and to, to just be there in the presence of the Pope and This really validated what happened in residential school, that the Catholic Church is really trying to make amends by picking Indigenous people and and getting them to, to see the Pope. After the break, I'll talk with Jerry about what the Vatican has planned for these meetings with the Indigenous delegations. Stay with us. Jerry, good morning from New Orleans. We are recording after we've had this conversation with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission from the Archdiocese of Regina, but I wanted to touch base with you about what's going on in Rome. Well, it's been an extraordinary week. We've seen 32 delegates from the three different indigenous communities of Canada come to Rome. 
the First Nations, the Assembly, the uh, Metis, and the Inuit. And yesterday, the Pope met two of those delegations. He, ha he, he was scheduled to spend a half an hour with each one, but he actually spent an hour with each one, which really made sense. And uh, afterwards, one of the delegations, the Metis delegation, was seen coming through the St. Peter's Square with music and uh, surrounded by journalists it was quite a, an event that's cool and then in the afternoon i i went to the press briefings of each of the delegations and there were the indigenous representatives and some of the canadian bishops what did they say about what happened in these longer than expected meetings with the pope the pope understood them to be listening he wanted to hear from them and they wanted to tell him their story mm -hmm. So that's exactly what happened. In one of the meetings, I think it was with the Metis, three survivors of the residential school spoke very strongly, told him exactly what had happened to them, spoke about the impact on their communities. They did it in a, everyone said, in, in a very graceful and respectful way. But they told him the truth. And Francis at one stage said that... Uh, you know, the truth and reconciliation and healing. This was how he understood it. And he said it in English, these three words. And they took it as a very positive comment from the Pope that he said this. They felt that he really welcomed them, listened very, very attentively to what they said. He welcomed each of them. Uh, they gave him some gifts. One of the gifts was that he, they gave him a pair of moccasins, beaded moccasins, and they said they wanted him to walk with them on this journey of truth, reconciliation, and healing. They made very clear in the press conference, seems they made it clear to the Pope as well, that they're looking for an apology, mm -hmm. a request for forgiveness. Right. And it's important to them for that apology to happen on their land, on the land where these abuses happened. But there was also the possibility raised that there could be an apology sometime this week. So we know that throughout this week, Pope Francis is having these listening sessions with the delegations. And then on Friday, he's going to have all three delegations in the room together. And that's when he's expected to speak to them. And so I think that if a, an apology came this week, that would be when it comes. But that's not what the Native delegations are asking for. So Jerry, what do you think? Do you think that that could happen this week? I think what's going to come back from the Pope is, first of all, I expect him to express his own feelings. Mm -hmm. He is a man, as we know, who feels things. Looking at some of the photos yesterday, you could see that he was deep in thoughts, deep in reflection already. Of course, he got briefed on this, but it's one thing to get briefed, and it's one thing to have people who suffered standing in front of you and say, this is what happened to us. We want to hear what you make of it and what you're going to do. Right. And this is a big thing for Francis. We saw him do the same thing in the 2019 abuse summit, right? When he brought all of these bishops from around the world together to listen to survivors of sexual abuse. He really believes that this can transform things. Yes, he's a firm believer that you must hear the other person's story before you even open your mouth. At one stage, he gave a hint that he's going to go to Canada. He said that he didn't want to go when the weather was so cold, like in the Arctic. So it's obvious it will be before the cold weather sets in. We think it'll be this year, right? 
Yes, I'm quite convinced it will be this year, presuming, you know, health and everything works well. Remember on Friday, there will be more than the 32 delegates at this meeting with the Pope when he, at the conclusion of their visit. Right. So for our listeners, um, Joanna, the woman that we heard about who's going to be part of the second delegation, this is the delegation they're talking about. They all see this as a fundamental building block in, in this whole road of reconciliation. Everybody recognizes it's going to take a long time. At the press conference, they talked about the Canadian bishops committed to raising big sums of money, millions and millions of dollars to help with the restoration, to help with the healing, with the funding for their projects. Right. And those are those projects are pretty wide ranging. They include things like building memorials to the children who died at the residential schools. They also include funding educational efforts and so on. And they also wanted uh, to get access to whatever documents there are here. And uh, it was said that the perhaps the documents are not in the Vatican as such that they're in religious orders. And they mentioned one, the Oblates of Mary Immaculate, mm. because they, they want to reconstruct their history as well. Well, I can't imagine how significant that would be to have, you know, your whole family for a few generations have gone through these schools and feel this loss of culture and then be able to bring those complaints to the head of the Catholic Church that was running these schools. I was struck, Colleen, by the remark of one of them who said, in these schools, we were taught to be white people, but that's not who we are. Uh, it struck me very much that, that, that sentence. Right. And these stories of pain that we are hearing the indigenous people tell the Pope are, are similar to the stories that we've heard on this podcast from Joanna and May and Susan. And so we really hope that through sharing their voices with you, we've given our audience a, a small sense of the reality of what went on here. So, Jerry, thank you for uh, covering this story this week from Rome, and I look forward to talking to you next week about what else we've heard from these meetings. Thank you, Colleen, and I hope one day we'll be doing a podcast from Canada on this subject. Jerry will be covering these meetings throughout the week, so stay tuned for up-to-date news and analysis at americamagazine.org. One last brief story. On Thursday of last week, Pope Francis asked the world's bishops to join him in consecrating Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This prayer harkens back to the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima to three children in 1917. One of the visionaries later wrote that Russia would be converted and peace would reign if the Pope and all the bishops of the world consecrated Russia to the Virgin Mary. You can read more about the consecration and Our Lady of Fatima at americamagazine.org and in the articles linked in the show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn and Ricardo Da Silva. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. Sound engineering from Kevin Christopher Robles. Production assistance from Stefano Maiero at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Special thanks to our panelists, May De Nomen, Susan Baudin, Bishop Don Bolin, Joanna Laundry, Deacon Eric Gurash, and Lisa Polk. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. There you can get the latest Vatican news and analysis from America Magazine right in your Twitter feed. If you want to support our work here on Inside the Vatican, the best way to do that is by purchasing a digital subscription to America Magazine at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. 
For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Belly. We'll see you next week. Thank you.